when I have a barbell in my hand, I'm not looking at any flaws. I'm looking at like how, like I'm seeing how strong I am and how, and all my focus is, is putting that bar like over my head or getting that bar to my shoulders, you know, like the focus isn't on like, Oh, this, that, whatever. Like, and I think that that's the cool part about, um, you know, CrossFit, it just allows you to be like empowered by, you know, what you can, what your body can do as opposed to what it looks like. This is episode number 85 with Carlene Matthews. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, family medicine resident and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Hey there, welcome back to Pursuing Health. In this episode, I got to sit down with three-time CrossFit Games athlete and owner of CrossFit St. Helens, Carlene Matthews. And a little bit of background about Carlene. She isn't your typical CrossFit Games competitor. She is a former collegiate softball player. However, when Carlene's athletic career came to a close after college, she found herself struggling first with an eating disorder and then with alcohol and substance abuse. With the help of therapy, her family, and finally CrossFit, Carlene overcame her addictions and her self-destructive habits to return to competition, this time in a new sport. Since 2012, she's steadily risen among the ranks, progressing from a regionals athlete to a multi-year CrossFit Games competitor. Last year in 2017, she won her West Regional, but she then suffered an injury that forced her to withdraw from the CrossFit Games on the first day of competition. This year for 2018, she's now back on track with her sights set on a top finish at regionals and another trip to Madison. I got to catch up with Carlene to learn about her journey from athlete to addiction and back, how her body image has changed since starting CrossFit, and some of her advice for helping others who may be suffering from an eating disorder or substance abuse. Before we get started, I have a few quick reminders. First, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a rating. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com and I'll select some to share here on future episodes. Finally, please remember that although I'm now officially a doctor, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So with that, let's get started here on episode 85 of Pursuing Health featuring Carlene Matthews. All right, so welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm here with Carlene Matthews, and I'm super excited to finally have her on the podcast today and to hear her story. So thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So as I was kind of looking through and thinking about things that we should talk about in this um, in this conversation, I noticed that you, I think recently, were inducted into a Hall of Fame for your softball team. Yeah. Um, for Was it your high school softball team? Um, it's for like, it's for like the, um, my hometown 
like their entire association. Oh, wow. Cool. So like it would include like high school and just like all of the, um, like the rec and everything. Yeah. The rec stuff. Yeah. That's so So, cool. Yeah. It was really cool. It was like a really cool surprise. Um, they happened to call me one day and they were like, Hey, this is a, you know, so-and-so from the Longview girls softball association. And they left me a message and I, I read, I uh, sent them a text back, was like, hey, I'm not available to talk right this moment, but what is this about? <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, they, we want to we uh, induct you into the Hall of Fame. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. Um, so I was like, okay, you can call me at, in an hour. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, and then I talked to them, and um, my old pitching coach had uh, – nominated me and oh, wow. they, uh, they all voted and agreed that I was deserving. And so I actually go next weekend to, uh, get that. Oh, and that's so exciting. The whole, the whole thing. I don't, I don't really know like what to expect or anything. Yeah. So yeah. It's cool. Wow. wow. And so I know softball was kind of your main sport. It seemed like growing up, how did you get yeah. into softball and how did that become sort of your, your passion? Yeah. Um, you know, growing up, I played softball and soccer. Um, and so softball and soccer through high school. Uh, but softball was kind of like my, more of my thing. Um, it was definitely like, it holds a very, very special place in my heart because it was me and my dad's thing. Okay. Um, and I lost my dad, uh, almost six years ago. So, um, so it's definitely like, even with this like hall of fame thing is like really, really important, like really special to me. Like I, when I found out, I like just got off the phone and like started crying because I was happy, but I was also sad, but I was, it was everything that like my dad had ever wanted for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, growing up, we spent so many years and so many nights, uh, you know, pitching because I was a pitcher. So, uh, there's a lot of hours spent pitching and him on a bucket. And, um, and then I went and I ended up like traveling, playing travel ball. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, traveling with him every weekend to go do that. Um, so a lot of like a lot of memories for me, uh, involve like my dad and softball Mm -hmm. and, um, So then I went into high school and, uh, ended up like getting the opportunity to go up to varsity as a freshman and stayed, um, stayed at that high level through, throughout, uh, high school. And Mm -hmm. then, um, went on to play, uh, softball at college. Okay. Wow. So, um, so that got me to college. And so everyone's like, well, what'd you major? And I'm like softball <laughs> um, because that was really like, that was for me was the ultimate goal. And, yeah. um, and then it was, that was, that was my favorite part about college. Um, your primary so, focus. Yeah. So I played, uh, I, I played my first year and then my second year I ended up getting a, um, medical red shirt cause I tore my bicep tendon. Okay. And so I had to have surgery that year. So I ended up playing five years, um, oh, wow. with that medical red shirt. So, okay. So it was, yeah. 
a huge part of your life until you were, I don't know how old, like 22, 21, 22, yeah, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was really like all I knew, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, you know, outside after college, like that's where I kind of started to struggle is because I didn't have that identity anymore. I didn't have that. Um, I didn't have that competitiveness. I didn't have something to really like lean on and, mm-hmm. um, align with, mm-hmm. you know, so. And give you kind of your structure and your teen and your, yeah, your focus Absolutely. and your purpose for sure. I can relate to that on some level. I mean, I didn't play sports in college, but even after high school, even after my high school sports were over feeling very lost, like, you know, obviously, in college, I had classes, but I really didn't know what to do with myself, like beyond that and working out yeah. and just going to the gym and doing whatever everyone else was doing on the treadmill and feeling very like, very just like lost and like that part of yourself, that like physical part of yourself, pushing yourself physically and, and ha- being part of a team and having a coach and just feeling like um, that part of you was missing for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. And I'm sure that your dad is super proud of you, like looking yeah. down and seeing you, I'm sure next weekend, seeing you get that recognition. And it's yeah. so cool how some of those things come back around. Like, I don't know, now that you've moved on from softball, it still kind of mm-hmm. comes back. So yeah, it's, it's really funny because it, it, it kind of has, I mean, I have just like, I, I have a new sport now and, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, like I really don't play softball because mm-hmm. I have a new sport um, and I don't want to injure myself. Right. For sport. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's, I uh, dabbled in a little bit of like coaching um, out of college mm-hmm. and uh, just never really found that, like never really found something solid. Mm-hmm. Um and then I just kind of, you know, just kind of walked away from it. I still enjoy like watching it and, um, you know, seeing people I know play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's kind of one of those things that it kind of like left my life. Yeah. And now is, is kind of like a good reminder, like coming back to like back to where I started and where, mm-hmm. you know, where I've come from, really. That's so cool. Well, too bad you weren't in the games the year of the softball throw because that would have been uh, I super know. cool. <laughs> I could have used your help, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I'm like, oh, why can't they bring that back? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure something like that will come back someday, but yeah, um, that's super cool. So then what was that period of your life like? I mean, do you remember your last, I don't know, if your last game or your last um, kind of the end of your last season and then what that time period of your life was like figuring out what you were going to do next or where you were going to go? Yeah. Um, I like, so my last season was, um, I, I had moved back to Portland and, um, it wasn't like, it didn't really like end on the best note. I didn't play very much. Um, I, I wasn't, I had walked, I had kind of like walked on to, um, this, another team because I wanted to transfer and get out of where I was. Um, and so it didn't necessarily like end on like the best note, Mm -hmm. but I was definitely surrounded with amazing athletes. And Mm -hmm. so that was the cool part. Um, 
but from there it just turned into like, okay, finish school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then once I finished school, it was, or it really turned into, okay, how quick can I finish school now? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so it's like, what degree can I accept that, um, they'll allow me to graduate. <laughs> yeah. Get me out of here soon enough. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I took a degree in interdisciplinary studies, okay. which was like, you know, I, I did a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, it was more of like, okay, like, let's start life. Um, and uh, I thought I was still kind of like, you know, as, as kind of exactly how you're saying that, like, you know, I'd go to the gym, I knew that I like, liked fitness, and I liked, you know, being active, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't really know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just kind of went in the gym and yep got on the treadmill and the elliptical and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and then I, I found a job that I really liked. Um, I was working at a residential drug and alcohol treatment center for teens. And so I started, um, I actually started being able to, uh, teach them about fitness. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, I really don't know how it all came about. Um, it's just, it, it just kind of happened. Um, but yeah, I decided that like, okay, I want to like do this personal training thing. And once I started, uh, learning about personal training, I then was able to start, uh, teaching the youth different stuff. So Mm -hmm. I would actually be like, I would teach them like boot camps Mm -hmm. and would go running at the track, um, and just try and get them out and, um, get them to use like fitness, you know, to, to help them in their treatment mm-hmm. and help mm-hmm. them get through it. Cause it's like, it was like a super hard time in their lives, you know, to be in a residential treatment center and 15 to 18. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, I really enjoyed that. I really like, I loved being able to like work with them and, um, help them and then noticing like how the fitness started to affect them. Yeah. Like, that was like, that was really cool to me. Um, so that was kind of my thing there. Um, I ended up finding CrossFit, uh, while I was there Okay. and we, we actually, uh, we got, uh, a lot of like CrossFit equipment and mm-hmm. basically CrossFit gym, mm-hmm. um, at the treatment facility. So wow. when I was there, so then we were able to make it like a full part of their program. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I, highly doubt that it's still going on there (laughs) but um while I was there like it was it was awesome like we had rings we had bumpers we had a platform um we had rowers treadmills like we had a lot of dumbbells like a lot of really cool stuff yeah um so so yeah I mean out of out of college like I definitely um you know, I struggled. Like I had, that's where I, um, you know, I found a job quickly after college, mm-hmm. but, um, I still didn't have that identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know. I had no idea who I was outside of softball, outside mm-hmm. of being a college athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was only like, I was only who I thought everyone wanted me to be. So mm-hmm. it was like, okay, like I'm this, I'm this athlete or like, no, I'm, you know, 
and so I didn't have, I didn't have a, a place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of, for me, like a really, like, it was just kind of, uh, it was told to me, um, or the comment was made to me the other day. It was kind of like an, an identity crisis and it yeah. like was, um, it definitely was. And, uh, and I, you know, that was where a lot of like bad habits for me, like mm-hmm. went deep. I think they had always been in me, mm-hmm. but they became a problem. So, um, eating disorder wise, um, body image wise, uh, drinking and drug using drugs, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, that stuff became like, came kind of like up to the surface. Um, and I started, you know, diving into those things because I, I didn't have anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you, when, or when did you start to notice or, or do you think that it sounds like the eating disorder sort of started maybe first or mm-hmm. you maybe were recognizing that first, but when did you, when do you think that started to become, like you said, more deep rooted or more of a, a, a negative, like those habits that you'd always have started to become more of a negative constant, um, kind of battle that you were having. Yeah. I, it's, it was definitely like right out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was out of college and, um, you know, I noticed that I started getting attention for the way I looked and, um, and that was kind of where I was seeking attention, where I was then like seeking my competitiveness. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was getting competitiveness around like, could I, you know, get the scale to go lower or mm-hmm. could I look better than so-and-so? Um, or could I get more attention than so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so th- that was kind of like for me where I started noticing um, that kind of stuff. I was spending like all hours at the gym and on the treadmill or the stair climb or whatever. And um, and it, it took me a while to to notice it mm-hmm. as for what it was. But when I look back at it, I would say that that's like right out of college. That's where it, it came from. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of it was like, uh, I had gained weight from college mm-hmm. and then, um, wanted to, you know, fit in with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was how I felt like I fit in. And that was how, um, I, I had like kind of just started running. And then I noticed that the more I ran, the better I felt mm-hmm. and the more weight I lost. And then it became like, okay, so the more I exercise and then, then I can lose weight. And then I noticed, well, if I don't eat very much, then I can lose weight. And I, I was very like regimented with my diet. Mm Um, and, uh, where I never got to where I was, um, like, uh, where somebody would look at me and be like, oh yeah, that girl has an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely like, was restricting my calories Mm -hmm. and, uh, and over exercising. Um, what were some of the things, I mean, maybe you can just give us an example of like what a day would be like with, in terms of like 
how much exercise you were doing or what some of the thoughts would be going through your mind about like why you were doing the things you were doing. Yeah. I can like remember specifically. Um, so like every morning I would wake up super early. Like I ha- I would have to be at work at six. Oh wow. And, um, and so I wake up really early to do cardio before I went into work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be on the treadmill before I went into work And then, uh, like one time I remember specifically, it was like, I was, uh, I had already like, I'd gotten up early, done the workout in the morning, ran in the morning, Mm -hmm. um, and then worked all day and then went home and had like eaten more than I had wanted to or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to the gym and went on the like stair climber. Mm Mm-hmm. And I specifically remember that time because it was, um, it was when I finally, like, I finally realized that like these thoughts are not normal. They're not okay. And that this is not right. And that like, I can't continue to live this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and because like I was on that stair climber and I had like sent my older sister a message, like I, I just can't do it anymore. Wow. Um, I, th- I like at that point I was like, I think I have a problem. Um, and I'm at the, you know, I'm at the gym for the second time punishing myself because I ate, you know, I I don't even know what I had eaten, but because I had overate Mm -hmm. what I felt like was overeating. Um, and, and it, it was like stuff like that, that would continue to happen. But I remember that time specifically because it was the moment that like, I was like, man, I can't keep doing this. Were there any, were there moments that you think led up to that or where you started to question what you were doing? Yeah. I, uh, I had like some, some sort of like stomach, um, kind of issues. I don't know. Like, I don't even know what it ever was. Um, but I got like really sick and, uh, went to like the hospital Mm -hmm. and my parents, my parents had no, my parents and my family knew what was going on and Mm -hmm. they were seeing it. And so they were like, Oh my gosh, she's in the hospital. Mm -hmm. They associated it to my eating disorder issues. Um, when I don't know if it was or wasn't, Mm -hmm. but, uh, they became, they began to express their concerns. Um, and at that point I was like, no, 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 there's no problem. Um, but it was kind of that point that um, that other people were seeing it yeah. that I started to become more aware. That's something I've always wondered about is like I remember being in college and seeing like the same people at the gym like multiple times a day or like people who, you know, you you obviously can't like judge someone just by looking at them. But it seemed like we're restricting what they were eating or we're having these habits and I just always wondered, like, you know, is who is is anyone or their friends talking to them about this? Is their family talking to them about this? Like, where are they in their stage of, you know, realizing, you know, what they might be doing that's having a negative impact on their body, or or is there anyone there who's trying to help them? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's such a hard thing to even like. I mean, ultimately when it comes down to it, like 
with anything, any sort of addiction, like you're not going to stop until you're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you, ha- it has to be on your terms. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, them kind of like putting a bug in my ear, um, them expressing concern, um, it absolutely like made me start to think. And it, for me, it was kind of like, oh man, like people are, people are seeing this, people are noticing this, like Mm -hmm. it, it must be something. Mm -hmm. Um, at that point in time, I was more like, okay, I have to hide this better. Um, but it did eventually get to get me to the point of like being able to, you know, see it, Mm -hmm. um, or being tired of it, like kind of just getting to that, like rock bottom, um, and finally being able to like say enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's a fine line too. Like if somebody was to come up to me and at that time and be like, you look really thin. Are you okay? I probably would have taken it as a compliment. Yeah. Uh, and so it's kind of one of those like, you know, how do you approach it too? It's, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so hard. For sure. And obviously it has to come, you know, like, it has to come from the individual and they're obviously not going to be ready until they're ready. But as someone trying to support them, it's, you know, it's, it's how do you figure out and everyone's different about what's going to maybe impact them or reach them in a different way. So it's, it's interesting to think about, you know, how you can best help someone in that situation. Would you say that, that like that moment on this when you were doing the stairmaster was like your rock bottom, or did you have a another rock bottom moment, or when did you decide to actually start seeking some help? Um, I think that that was like a a big start for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that definitely wasn't like my. Um, I, I think I had been uh, working with a counselor for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, And so we had been talking about it and I think it was kind of like at that point that we started, that I started being more open about it. Okay. Um, because I, I had had told her like what had happened. Yeah. Um, and so I think that the more I was able to be like open about it, um, and talk about it, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that was kind of where I, where I was able to say like, okay, this is kind of, you know, a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, once I, I, I sent my sister a message and then my sister and I started talking about it and it was like, okay, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this, but mm-hmm. I need this like one last hurrah. Like I have a, <laughs> I had a, um, a, a cruise planned. Okay. And so I was like, I have to, you know, I'm not doing anything until after this cruise that I have planned. Right. Um, you know, looking back at it, at like, at that cruise, like that was probably a bad mistake. Like, Mm -hmm. because uh, to have that like last hurrah, like, Mm -hmm. cause I went hard, you know? (laughs) Um, but ultimately for me, uh, one of the things I think another one of the things that I realized once I got, you know, once I got into treatment, I was, I was just doing outpatient, Mm -hmm. but it was like all day. So it was like 8am to Mm 5pm. And, um, and this was treatment, eating disorder treatment. 
Yeah. Okay. Eating disorder treatment. And, uh, so once I got in there, it, you know, they were like, all right, like, these are the rules. Like you can't exercise. You can't, you know, you have to eat here. You have to do whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm like, but I'm not going, like, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to exercise. And, um, and I think I went like the first two days I reported back, like you did like report, you know, mm-hmm. did you, what, what do you rate yourself on, you know, in these days? And I, rated myself like, no, nope, I exercised. And it was like, it became a power struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you still had some I, control. Yeah. I needed, I needed to have control over something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was actually just telling somebody about this the other day that, uh, it was like the third day and I was driving home and I called my dad and I was just like crying and he, He's like, what's going on? You know, and I'm like, I just hate this and I just, I can't do it. And all I want to do is go work out and I can't go work out. Mm -hmm. And he just said, okay. (laughs) And like, he didn't say like, you know, you have to follow the plan. You have to do this. Mm -hmm. You have to do that. He took the power away from it. And that was the first day that I didn't go exercise. Hmm. And, um, and, and for some reason it felt like the power, like that I took the power over mm-hmm. and, um, and that like some t- like a lot of times I say that like, that was like my breaking point. Yeah. Like that was the point where I realized like I get to control this. Like mm-hmm. I can control whether I go work out or not. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, like it's, it's worth, it's worth a try. You know, it's worth a try to like, see like what, you know, let's, let's just prove them wrong is what I was thinking. (laughs) Like, let's just prove them wrong. Um, and I, and I didn't work out the entire time after that day. Um, I didn't have any days that I like exercise with that being said, I found a new coping skill Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that I took on and that was drinking and using. Okay. So while I was in, um, while I was in treatment, that was kind of where my, uh, drinking and like using different party drugs, Mm -hmm. uh, came to the surface. Okay. Like it had, I think always been a, it had been an issue since I was probably 18. Mm -hmm. Um, my parents like had talked to me about it. My dad is a alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Um, so my parents had talked to me about like, look, if you continue to drink like this, like you're going to, this is going to be a problem for you. Yeah. Um, you've got it in your family. You've got. Yeah. But I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't quite understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah. So when I was in treatment, like that was, you know, I'd talk to the psychologist there and he'd be like, you probably should like s- slow down your drinking a little bit, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm mm-hmm. fine. This is not a problem. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I left treatment. I graduated my treatment feeling mm-hmm. great about the progress I had made with the eating disorder, mm-hmm. but, um, it took a little bit for me to realize, it took a few months for me to realize that, uh, I was just masking, you know, kind of mm-hmm. those feelings and that, um, those issues of, I think it was a lot of like issues of, social anxiety, social, like not feeling 
comfortable uh, in my skin mm-hmm. and stuff like that um, that really pushed like me drinking mm-hmm. because when I was drinking, I, I wasn't myself. Mm-hmm. I was a different person and I was, I could be whoever I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like during that time, even though you were coping using alcohol, do you think that you developed a healthy relationship with food or, or was it sort of just pushing a lot of those things aside? Um, I think that like, I don't necessarily think I developed a healthy relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I started to like, I had the desire to be better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I I mean, before I went into treatment, I was binging and purging. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so I, it wasn't doing that anymore. Okay. And for me, like, that was like, okay, that's, yeah, like that, that was huge. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that I even still to this day have a hundred percent healthy relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, uh, you know, eating disorders are hard because they're always going to be, it's always going to be present for me. Yeah. It's always going to be something that I might have to work on, um, because I have to eat. And, mm-hmm. uh, whereas, you know, the alcohol, that's, that it's kind of easy, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just, just don't do it. But, um, there's so many different factors associated with like the eating disorder. So I think that there's, you know, times when I feel like, yeah, like I, I have a handle on this and, um, and, you know, things are good. And then there's times where I'm like, man, you know, like this sucks. Like yeah. I, I would, you know, I wish I was like, I wish I was a little bit leaner here or there. And like, no, like you, you can't like. I think that the biggest thing for me is the desire. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the desire to be better. Mm-hmm. I have the desire to, um, to not, um, engage in like unhealthy, you know, eating habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that for me makes it, it really makes the difference. I don't know. Um, and the awareness I'm sure too having gone Absolutely. through everything you've been through, like to know when you're starting to fall into patterns or thought patterns or behaviors that aren't as, as helpful. Absolutely. I think that that, um, was that I say, I would say would be a big thing of as to like how the treatment helped me mm-hmm. is that it allowed me to, it, it taught me triggers. It taught me, um, coping skills. Mm -hmm. It taught me, um, you know, it taught me to realize like when things are, you know, might come up and then what to do about them. Um, and so I think that I'm a, I've become a lot more self-aware, um, through that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I now know that I'm like, I'm really self-aware. So I'll like text my nutrition coach and be like, I know the answer to this, but I need you to tell me. <laughs> Just some reinforcement. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's like I know the answer. Yeah. I know what's right. But if you leave it me up to my own devices, I'm probably going to choose the wrong answer. 
but that's why I have a coach. Yeah. So, you know, so it's like, okay, I know I need to reach out right now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to reach out. I want to stay silent, mm-hmm. but I know that I have to because left to my own like head, then mm-hmm. I, I'll probably make a bad decision. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, shows the importance of having the right support system and the right people in your life to help, help hold you accountable to those things and keep yeah. you on the right track. Definitely. So true. So how long were you in the, um, the rehab, the eating disorder rehab program? Um, it was, I think it was like two to three months. Okay. Um, of, it was like Monday through Friday, um, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's like full time. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to quit my job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was working at the treatment center. I left there for the time that I was in treatment. And mm-hmm. then I actually went back after I finished treatment. And what so, was it like working at the treatment center while you were yourself starting mm-hmm. to get more out of control with the drugs and alcohol? Um, you know, it was interesting because it was kind of, uh, it was very accepted there as, uh, staff, which is really interesting. You know, as I, as I look back at it and stuff, um, it was accepted and Hmm. it was a joke and we all went out, um, together before or after, you know, after work hours and, um, you know, it, I, a lot of times, like I've said before that working there probably enhanced my alcohol addiction, you know, like it, um, we were there and there's, I think there's some people that I think it was the difference is that like a lot of people I worked with probably can handle it. Whereas, um, for me, it just spiraled out of control. Hmm. So they like were able to go out and drink and have, you know, a couple drinks after, uh, after work. But for me, it was like, we go out, I go out to have a couple drinks and it wouldn't just be a couple drinks. Like I go out to get wasted. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's times where I like went back in, I would, I would show up the next morning and, be super hungover and the kids would know. And the kids, like the kids knew they're like, you look really hungover today. Like, are you okay? And I'd be like, Oh, I'm fine. Like you, uh, you know, I'd put it on them. Like, Oh, thanks. Thanks for saying I look like, you know, like, um, but they knew. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like that they were smart. They knew they saw it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, but, um, they definitely did. When did you start to see that it was becoming a problem? Um, I never really saw it as like a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, uh, it, I, I definitely like started thinking about it when I was in treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when I had like, I went out one weekend and like made all these bad decisions and I was kind of telling like my counselor about them. And he was like, have you ever thought that like maybe drinking isn't the best idea for you? And I was like, Oh, whatever. Like, 
no, you know, he's like, have you ever thought that like things like this are not like, this is not normal. This is not like, that's not, you know, something to like write home about. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I, and uh, yeah, I felt guilty for like what I had done, but the next weekend came around, you know, and, um, but I happened to go out one weekend and, um, I made some like bad decisions. I, um, I ended up like being really like mean, I guess, like, I guess to a friend, um, to someone that I thought was a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, the next day I had went in, I went into, I was seeing a therapist once a week, mm-hmm. like mostly for my eating disorder stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went in there and was like, man, I just like, I made some bad decisions last night and, um, I really hurt this person's feelings and I, uh, you know, I, I, I think that I like lost them as a friend and Mm -hmm. I think that I need to stop drinking to kind of show them that like, that, that alcohol is not the problem that, um, that I can handle the alcohol, like they can handle not drinking. Uh, and, uh, and it was kind of there that I was like, I'm just not going to drink for like, I don't know, like 30 days. So that was, that was like kind of my plan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 30 days turned into 35 and, you know, like 90. Mm-hmm. And then, and I, and I want to say it was like, uh, probably like nine months, six to nine months in that I started to really be like, you know what? I think I might have a problem. And, um, I think that I like my life better without drinking. And I enjoy like starting to like learn who I am and starting to enjoy who I am Mm -hmm. and be okay with who I am. Um, and, uh, and so that was, you know, that was for me, like I didn't realize, and I didn't say I was an alcoholic or say that it was a problem. It was just like, I'm just not going to do it right now. Mm-hmm. And I, and I had been through like time periods like that in my life, um, because I had had like softball in college. And so we would be like, we're not drinking during season. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, you know, like, I'm just not going to drink for this period mm-hmm. for this season of my life. And, um, you know, kind of go from there. And, uh, but it finally got to the point where like, I, was able to realize that like the person that I was when I drank was not the person that I wanted to be. Um, and if I decided to drink that I wouldn't be able to be like the person that I wanted to be. And, um, and that was, that was more for me, like where I realized, um, how much of a problem like alcohol was for me. Hmm. So what was it like when you first said, I want to go 30 days without drinking. And then at the end of that 30 days, what, what was it that made you decide to keep going with it? Um, I think it was just like, I, I was starting to like dive into like with my counselor, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, more about me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, 30 days was enough for me to lose the friends that I thought I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, because nobody really wanted to hang out with me because, 
uh, I wasn't drinking anymore. I yeah. wasn't the party girl. Yeah. And so the people I partied with didn't want to hang out. Um, and so I started like developing, uh, or more renewing friendships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that the more I just like dove into, uh, you know, who I was and who I wanted to be, um, I, the more I had, the more desire I had to continue to like seek that mm-hmm. and find it. Um, another thing that's like really like kind of cheesy, but mm-hmm. my, uh, my counselor and I would, I would get like gold stars for mm-hmm. every, every day that I had, um, without drinking. And so okay. every week I went in to see her every week. And so every week I would collect seven stars mm-hmm. and I have like, I have a book that had, you know, stars for the first probably 150 days. Wow. So it was like, uh, it was the accountability, you know, like the accountability of like, I didn't really want to go back into, you know, my counseling session and, you know, tell her like, yeah, I drank. Yeah. Um, So it was, it's kind of like I was in it with a team. Yeah. Yeah. And interesting how that kind of makes it like the gold stars kind of makes it like, a competition and like before you had said like you yeah. made almost even your your exercising used to be a competition with yourself like how much weight can I lose or how much you know how long can I be on the treadmill and you know turning those maybe negative habits but using the same sort of competitive mindset to to make these healthier habits oh yeah absolutely it's absolutely like 100% like that's that's what it was you know like it it changed it to like, um, you know, it gave me a sense of control. Like Mm -hmm. I, I had control over, um, you know, not drinking. And, um, I started to realize that that's what I really wanted. Like I, I needed to find some sort of control. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I drank, I didn't have control. And so that was another, that was one key thing that like I was able to like recognize was Mm -hmm. that, when I went out and drank, I lost control completely. And it also starts like I would go out and drink and then like relationship with food would, yeah. wouldn't be very good mm-hmm. because I'd be out. I, I was drunk, you know, right. so I didn't, Doesn't I didn't matter. Care. Yeah. 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 So that's cool. That's very interesting. And then it wasn't that long after, um, this all started happening that you found CrossFit, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I got sober in, in October Okay. and, uh, end of October and I found CrossFit, uh, very end of December of that same year. Okay. So just a couple uh, months later. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I started really like, um, I, I think that all of that went like all of the work I was doing in therapy was going, went hand in hand with what, um, happened to me when I went in the CrossFit gym is that everyone accepted me for me Mm -hmm. and they didn't ask me what I had been through, um, you know, the previous months or Mm -hmm. whatever. They didn't ask me who I was, you know, outside of the gym. They just cared that I came in and worked out and, Mm -hmm. um, gave your best. Yeah. And I got to be, I, I, it was, for me, it was kind of like a fresh start. I got to be, um, me and I Mm -hmm. didn't have to, put on, um, put on a mask of who I thought people wanted me to be. Like I just got to show up, um, as me and, um, 
And that really allowed me to like, kind of like flourish within, mm-hmm. um, within all of that. So, uh, I started like a, a quote, like one of my favorite quotes is free to be me. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, that went hand in hand with, you know, with starting CrossFit and, um, you know, the CrossFit gym being so like open and welcoming. And, um, and once, once I was able to, once I decided to like tell people my background, mm-hmm. um, they were so like accepting and being able to hear other women say like, I have the same story, mm-hmm. you know, or like, yep, I've, you know, I've been there. And, um, that really like started to solidify things for me. Mm-hmm. And now I know obviously you have a competitive nature and it wasn't long before you found yourself getting into a competition in CrossFit, but, um, what was that like, I guess, trying to like use CrossFit and how did it help you establish a more healthy relationship with exercise and with food? And then how did you go from there to deciding to, to pursue competition? Um, I think that like, you know, when I first started CrossFit, I had no idea, like probably the first four months, Mm -hmm. um, of doing it actually probably the first six months of doing it, I had Mm -hmm. no idea what I was doing. Like Mm -hmm. I was just, I was just working out, um, and doing something different. Uh, so, you know, I, I was still doing a lot of like, I was running, like I was doing like, uh, planning for like marathon or Mm -hmm. like 5k. And Mm -hmm. so I was trying to like be competitive and stuff like that. I didn't know that I could be competitive in CrossFit. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, I think that just as I like progressed, um, that's when I started to like realize that, you know, that I could be like competitive and, um, that that was something that I could actually do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think it was like my, um, six or eight months in, Mm -hmm. maybe nine months in, uh, I did my first competition and after my first competition and doing well at that, uh, that was when I said like, screw this 5k thing. Um, but that was at that point I was like, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go with it. Um, so that was like exactly the conversation, like in the middle of the weekend, I was like, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do. So. And how has it changed your, I guess, your body image or your, the way that you view kind of your, yourself and the role of working out and, and food? I think that, um, like I said, like it's always going to be, um, there's always going to be stuff here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it's really like helped me to, um, not look at what my body looks like as much anymore. Um, and more of what my body can do for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, food wise, I see my food as like fuel. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I'm not necessarily like exercising so I can eat whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I'm eating so that I can exercise the way I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there, I would say that there's like, there's a lot of, there would be a lot of people that would say that I like 
you know, obsess about my food too much and, you know, or like I'm too strict or, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are like, you're really, really strict. Like, but that gives me like, it gives me control. Mm -hmm. It gives me like, that's what I need because if I don't have, you know, structure, Mm -hmm. uh, then that's when I feel like I'm, I've lost control and I don't have, um, I don't have that like good solid like grip on things. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, like CrossFit has given me like more of like a regimented um, exercise plan, mm-hmm. right? And the same thing with like it's also given me now a regimented like nutrition plan, mm-hmm. um, something that I can t- continue like for my entire life, and mm-hmm. um, it. And for me, it just so happens that, like, I want to perform the best, so I eat so that I can perform the best. Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm, when I'm not competing, like, that may change, and I may have, like, a lot more balance, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, like, a lot more days of not being, like, super strict. But the way it is now, it's like, oh, if, if I'm training tomorrow, like, I'm eating well. I'm right. eating well right. today so I can train well tomorrow. Um, and that's what, you know that's just what my life consists of right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it shows how you can take those, those characteristics of yourself about like having great discipline and having great control and use them in a positive way, like towards this goal of becoming the fittest that you can be and um, improving your performance versus maybe in the past that was having more of a negative effect. Yeah. I think that like, um, you know, when I first got into CrossFit, uh, there was like some pushback from my family of like, well, you're just taking one, one, uh, addiction to another. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I kind of am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that was my comment that back then. And that was like eight years ago, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, yeah, I am, but I would much rather be doing this, like being obsessed with like fitness and, <laughs> and, you know, and like obsessed with like how much more can I lift mm-hmm. on a daily basis, you know, than, um, you know, what I look like. And the, you know, the cool thing about CrossFit is that like, like we have mirrors in our gym. So, mm-hmm. um, there's sometimes where I'm lifting in front of a mirror and like when I have a barbell in my hand, I'm not looking at any flaws. I'm mm-hmm. looking at like, how like I'm seeing how strong I am and how, and all my focus is, is putting that bar like over my head or Mm -hmm. getting that bar to my shoulders, Mm -hmm. you know, like the focus isn't on like, Oh, this, that, whatever. Like, and I think that that's the cool part about, um, you know, CrossFit. It just allows you to be like empowered by, you know, what you can, what your body can do as opposed to what it looks like. So true. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> That's amazing. So I know, I mean, we first met, I think it was in 2013 when we were at, a, it was the level two or the yeah. coaches prep course. But that was like right before you, because your first games was 2015. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of like right before you had your big, like couple of good regional performances and then went to the games. But I mean, what was that experience like, um, you know, cause you had a very steady sort of improvement every year in your regional performances yeah. and then 
finally making it to games and improving at the games. And what has that whole process been like for you evolving as, as a CrossFit athlete? Um, it's been, it's, it's been really cool. Um, it's always kind of been like, uh, well, if I can keep doing better, like let's keep going, you know, like if I can improve, you know, upon this, then like there, I can't stop, you Mm -hmm. know, like, um, and so, uh, that's, it's definitely been like super motivating, like to see that kind of like progress, um, for myself. I think that, you know, I'm now at a place where that's kind of like topped out. And so like, it's like, uh, you know, things are changing like new region and, Mm -hmm. um, and so it's been definitely a, uh, mental, um, mentally it's been, different, Mm -hmm. but I actually love the, um, I love being like the, the underdog. Mm -hmm. I would much rather be the person that nobody's talking about and like come through than, you know, the person like it's, it, I'd rather chase than, Mm -hmm. than try to have a target on your back. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, I feel like I feel good about going into the regionals this mm-hmm. year, not being, um, not having that target on my back. Um, I also like am looking at it as, you know, like the goal is, uh, to go back to the games and to improve, but, mm-hmm. um, ultimately like it's, you know, everything changes and, um, I just want to be able to like bring my best self to, uh, to the floor for regionals and see what happens. Yeah. So, and you also had, I mean, last year at the games, I know it didn't go the way you had planned. You had an injury. So yeah. can you just tell us a little bit about what happened at the games with that injury and then how you recovered and your training this year? Yeah. Um, so when I got to, um, Madison, uh, I, I didn't know then, but, uh, I had a bulge in C6, C7. Okay. Um, and it ended up like kind of like pretty much just shutting off my tricep on my left side. Mm. Um, so most stuff I could do um, just because like barbell wise, I was able to snatch. I noticed it in um, in a few days leading up to the games. Mm-hmm. Um I started noticing that something wasn't right with my body. Um, and I, I think that that was probably one of the hardest parts of, um, dealing with that injury is mm-hmm. that it wasn't, it wasn't causing me any pain. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't, I didn't have, you know, like a physical like wound. Yeah. Like no one could really see it. Um, but I knew something wasn't right with my body and that my body wasn't performing the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, uh, did the first two events did run, swim, run, um, and then did the cyclocross and, uh, the third event on Friday was, um, the Amanda 45. Mm-hmm. And so went up for, went up in the warm up area for a uh, muscle up and, got to the top of the rings and there was no dipping out. Like there's (laughs) nothing there. Um, and so at at that point I kind of like, I was like, okay, it's, this is, this is going to be it. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, like instead of just like withdrawing, like went out on the floor and, um, cause there was a minimum work requirement. Okay. The minimum work requirement was like 21 muscle ups. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, like I'm going to go out and try and get one. Yeah. Um, 21 is sounding pretty daunting at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at that point it was still like, we didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was like, go out and see if I can do it. And I tried for like five minutes and Mm -hmm. I couldn't. And so, um, had to pull out and then we found out later, um, after we got back from the games that, it was a uh, bulge in C6, C7. Um, so recovery from that was basically just, um, you know, a lot of lower body. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of rest for your for your upper yeah. body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So upper body had that. Like I couldn't do anything that I was like, that I would like shrug mm-hmm. or cause anything, um, any like pressure Mm-hmm. in my like neck or like shoulders or collarbone or mm-hmm. anything. Um, so even me during, like I, I started, I was like, Oh, well, I can just do single arm stuff. Like mm-hmm. even like single arm dumbbell snatches were like out of the picture. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of running, mm-hmm. a lot of, um, assault bike, a lot of squatting, mm-hmm. sled pulling. Um, stuff like that. And, you know, eventually like I got to where I wasn't having like symptom anymore. And so Mm -hmm. we got to where it was like, okay, let's hang from a pull-up bar, see how that does. And Mm -hmm. so it was like one week at a time adding in movements and seeing and assessing, you know, if they were causing me problems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I did PT for probably like a month. Mm-hmm. And then at that point was like, I was ready to be like, I just want to do CrossFit. Like mm-hmm. I just, I just want to do CrossFit. Like I want to get back to my sport, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to doing like a lot of stabilizing things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, that was stuff that I needed to do and I did it. Um, but for me, it was really important to just get back to like being able to do CrossFit style stuff. Um, and that was, that was how I recovered from it. Uh, I just took it super slow and that was probably one of the best things that I could have ever done was each week I added like 5% onto the bar. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I stuck to that until I got to 80%. And then once I was at 80%, my coach was like, all right, you're at 80%. Like you pretty much like your 80% now is like basically a hundred percent. Like mm-hmm. my 80% from where I was is basically like a hundred percent. So it's like, okay, I think you're good. Um, but yeah, that was, that was probably the best thing I could have done was to take it slow and not try and like push a thousand movements right, um, right. on my body. So. Well, glad to see you healthy again for this season. Yeah. And, um, and regionals is coming up soon, but what is a, can you go through a day, kind of a, tr- a typical day in your life right now and what that looks like? Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's kind of like, that's actually a really good, uh, question because, uh, my schedule actually just changed Oh, okay. in that, um, I am now coaching every single one of my classes at the gym. Oh, wow. Um, 
So <laughs> Good it's timing. Like, yeah. Um, so I uh, wake up and uh, usually do some sort of like movement. So um, I prefer to wake up a little bit earlier, um, maybe like 20 minutes earlier mm-hmm. uh, than I would so that I can get up and like just start moving. Um, I'll jump on a bike. It's just nice and easy usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's amazing, by the way, because I'm such a fan of that now. Like I never used to do that when I was training or competing, but now, especially that sometimes I don't have time to work out, like that is what keeps me going. Just knowing that even if I do five minutes of something, first thing when you wake up, it's just the best way to start yeah. your day off on the right foot. Yeah. And you just like, you just feel, I just feel so much more awake and so mm-hmm. much like just so much better the rest of the day. And then like, like you said, like just knowing that like, okay, well, if I feel like I like have to get my workout cut short, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, okay, I can remember that I was up at five and you know, I did something this morning. Right. Whereas like, if I just, if I sleep in till five twenty and then don't do something and it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I feel so much better. So, um, so yeah, I usually wake up, uh, like four forty-five and, uh, do some, a little bit of moving. Um, I'm downstairs coaching by at six mm-hmm. and um, you live, you live above your gym, you said, yeah, which is yeah. super cool. Yeah. So I just walk downstairs. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, uh, walk downstairs, um, coach six to seven. And then, um, lately I've been taking a nap Mm -hmm. at seven. Um, but sometimes I'll just go, uh, go to my coach's gym and train. Mm -hmm. So on a given day, like any given day, it might, it'll either be like nap until like eight 30 or nine, or it'll be drive an hour Mm -hmm. to Portland to, uh, to train with my coach. Okay. Um, and so then I, uh, I will train from about nine to 11. If I'm with my coach, I'll train from nine to 11 or eight to 11. If I'm at home, I'll train from nine to 12 Mm -hmm. and then I coach a noon class. So coach from noon to one. And then there's usually some food involved somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopefully. Within, yeah, in there somewhere. Um, and then start training again from um, at like 1.32-ish um, until about uh, usually like I like to get done at 5. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I – because, again, I like to sit and do, like, a good, like, 20 to 30-minute cool down, like, mm-hmm. on the bike. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like, I started doing that. I don't know why I started doing that, but I started doing that. And um, I love it because I'm able to do, like – I do, like, all my social media mm-hmm. just sitting sitting on the bike. Like, mm-hmm. any work that needs to be done, I'm able to be, like, okay, I just save it for 30 minutes on the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, – and so, yeah, it, it allows me to not do that stuff when I'm training yep. and yep. Um, be distracted. Yeah. So, so then I, uh, coach from five thirty to seven thirty, and, um, then usually head upstairs by seven forty-five or eight mm-hmm. and, um, dinner, maybe a show or two. Yeah. And then 
back bed. in bed. Yeah. 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 That is a busy day. Jam packed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but awesome. And so your coach is about an hour away. How often do you get up to, are you able to go work out with your coach? Um, if I want, like there, there was a while that I was going, um, like four days a week to see okay. him. Okay. And um, who's your coach again? Chris McDonald. Okay. Um, so th- there's a time where like I was going, you know, four times a week and, uh, the drive just started to kind of like mm-hmm. get old. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, even it was actually just like last week that I started not going there four times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and just allowing myself to kind of like, if I feel good and I feel like I need, um, to be out of my gym mm-hmm. and out of basically like my home, mm-hmm. then, I'll, then I'll go train there. And mm-hmm. if I feel like I, um, actually need like a nap and need to recover a little mm-hmm. bit more, then I'll stay at home. Mm-hmm. So, um, just kind of trying to like listen to my body and just do what's best for me, but also knowing that, you know, maybe three days in a row of training at home might be, um, not as ideal. So maybe doing like one day at home, one day there, one day at home mm-hmm. helps to kind of like switch it up and, um, you know, for sure it, change your environment. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel that for sure. There was this period where I was driving, like I lived in Cleveland, but I was driving back to Michigan, which was like two and a half or three hours, like every week for a few days, just to like get in that environment. Because when I was in Cleveland, I was training by myself. And yeah, like if you spend too many days training just by yourself, I think you start to go crazy and your intensity goes down and you just don't get as much benefit as you could if you're around other people or around some, your coach or someone who can you know, push you or figure out what you need. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. And like anytime I'm here, like at home training, it's mostly by myself. And there'll be sometimes when like, when my coach isn't even at the gym, but there's at least people there Mm -hmm. to kind of like, you know, so I don't have to be there alone. Yeah. You know, so for sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to finish up with three questions I ask everyone on the podcast. So the first one is three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health. Um, I think that the getting up early to Mm -hmm. move, getting some movement in, um, my, I'm such a huge fan. I, I have to put a plug in too because I tried to get this hashtag to catch on, but no one really caught it. <laughs> was um, I tried to use morning five, like how you spend the first five minutes of your day. Um, yeah. And I just like, I love it. I think that it's so important to like to move in the morning and it's just the best way to start your day. So yes. I love that you do that. <laughs> okay. I'll start hashtagging it. Okay, perfect. Morning five. Yeah. We'll get it to catch on here eventually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then the, the, the other thing is, um, just my nutrition. Mm -hmm. So just being like, I track my macros, um, just being accountable to that, um, has, it's taught me so much about like, just, you know, how my body works. And I, I know so much, like if, like right now, actually I'm having like something that I'm eating is not 
right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think I've like developed an intolerance for something, Mm -hmm. but uh, being able to know that like is huge for me, you know, like, uh, so like, it's like, okay, like let's get a food sensitivity, sensitivity test. Um, we know something's not right. We Mm -hmm. can't like pinpoint it. So, um, so yeah, that, and then, um, Uh, you know what? I try and journal and I think that Mm. that's huge for my, uh, mental health, Mm -hmm. um, either journaling, like, um, you know, uh, I have like a journal of like 365, uh, days of, you know, um, positive things. Mm -hmm. And so like I am able to like look back and, um, see like an entire year of like, awesome things that happen and I only write good things. And mm-hmm. then, and some days it's like, it's hard. Mm-hmm. I'm like, shoot, like nothing doesn't feel like anything good happened, but then <laughs> you're able to like find like the smallest thing and you're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, that's what I would say. It's like journaling. I love that. And yeah. for your nutrition, do you, you mentioned you work with a coach. Who do you work with for? I, nutrition? I work with Jason Phillips. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And where is he based out of? Um, I don't know. He works with uh, Jason Phillips Nutrition and I am three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, the next question is one thing that you think could have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it. Um, something you're working on. I, uh, <laughs> I was actually just telling somebody this the other day that uh, – I only want to do mobility when I shouldn't be doing mobility. <laughs> and so like when I'm delaying like training or like, like procrastinating. Doing hard, yeah. And so, um, I, sh- I, I would like to be better at like just stretching and like, um, you know, like I don't really like take the time to do like Romwad type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do like recovery in terms of like, I'll Norma tech or all complex or, um, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, when it comes to just like, you know, just stretching or, um, you know, doing some like activation stuff, I don't mm-hmm. do it as much as I, as I should. Sure. We can probably all get a lot better at that. Right? But <laughs> um, last question is what does a healthy life look like to you? Um, I think that for me, a healthy life is, um, definitely like mentally and physically. Um, but I would say it's balance. Mm -hmm. Um, so having that balance of, you know, um, exercise, but not too much Mm -hmm. you know, nutrition, but not, not too anal about it. (laughs) Um, and allowing, you know, allowing that, uh, variety, Um, and then also like, you know, I think it's important for, I think self-care is super important. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, you know, like this weekend I was like stressed or this week, you know, it's stressful, um, coaching and training. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so this weekend it was like, okay, I need to like figure out a way to like decompress. And Mm -hmm. so it was like, made an appointment to take, to go do a float and then Mm -hmm. like went and got a pedicure today. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, those things are like really important for, um, like for me, for my self care, because 
if it kind of, if it was up to me, I would probably work out for self care, mm-hmm. you know, but like, but I can't. But once because, it kind of becomes your job, then you have to right. find other things. It's true. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. It's so true. I love it. Self care is super important. <laughs> It is. Well, thank you so much for sharing your whole story and being so open. And I know that there's so many other people out there who can relate on various levels, but um, I appreciate you for being so open and for being such a inspiration in our community um, for all the things that you've overcome and for just being an example that you can be real and you can share your struggles and who you are and in the process you can help inspire and help other people who may be struggling. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. And we'll all be rooting you on this regional season and you're in, what is your region called now? It's the, is it the West coast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. West, West coast. Okay. We're all getting used to these new names. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. We'll be rooting you on in the West Coast region, and we wish you the very best. Okay. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I think many of us can probably relate to Carlene's story on one level or another. I know for me personally, CrossFit has helped to have a huge impact on how I view my body and my relationship with food and exercise. I want to know, have you struggled with body image or your relationship with food? Comment below this post on my website, juliefouché.com, or on social media with hashtag pursuing health to let me know what helps you to view your body in a more positive light. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com, and subscribe to my email list. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send me an email at info at I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on future episodes. Don't forget you can train with me through Beyond the Whiteboard by visiting trainwithjuliefouché.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. This episode is brought to you by MobilityWad. Do you struggle to get into good positions in your training and workouts? Are you looking for a structured routine to help you relax, downregulate, and recover on a regular basis? Well, then MobilityWad may be just what you're looking for. MobilityWad is the world's most comprehensive collection of guided movement, mechanics, and mobility instructional videos designed to improve athletic performance, increase mobility and flexibility, prevent injury, resolve pain, and optimize recovery. Each routine is guided by renowned physical therapist, strength and conditioning coach, and New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Kelly Surrett. I first took Kelly's movement and mobility course in 2013, and since then I've read his books and followed his videos for ideas on how to address my own movement restrictions. Sometimes though, having all this information can become overwhelming, which is why I think the real genius is in the MWOD subscription. As part of this subscription, you have access to not only hundreds of hours of video content that can be filtered based on your specific questions, but also two daily eight to 15 minute guided routines called Perform and Recover. The perform routines are designed to be done in the gym, either before or after your workout. And these focus on position, mechanics, mobility, and motor control techniques to help you optimize your athletic performance and prevent injury. 
This practice requires tools you would generally find in the gym, like jump stretch bands, lacrosse balls, barbells, and kettlebells. Now, the recovery routines are some of my favorites, and these are designed to be accomplished at home. They focus on mobility and soft tissue work, down-regulating the nervous system, resolving pain, and general relaxation. This practice only requires a foam roller, a lacrosse ball, and a mat or your carpet, things that you would find at home. I often do these sessions as a way to wind down from a long day and help myself relax. Mobility Watt is used by the world's top athletes in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, UFC, Premier Soccer League, Pro Rugby, Weightlifting, Running, CrossFit, Obstacle Course Racing, and all branches of the military. It's also the go-to mobility programming for coaches, physical therapists, and recreational athletes who want to learn proven strategies to optimize athletic performance, prevent injury, and enhance recovery. Now you can join the thousands of other individuals who incorporate Mobility Wad into their daily workout routine. It's easy to become part of the MWAD community, but because you're a Pursuing Health listener, you can receive 20% off an annual membership with code Julie Fouché. Just visit mobilitywad.com to learn more. Once again, that's mobilitywad.com, M-O-B-I-L-I-T-Y-W-O-D.com, and you can use code Julie Fouché for 20% off your annual membership. This episode is brought to you by Siete Foods. You know when you meet a group of people who are just so genuine that you can't help but treat them like old friends or family? Well, that's basically how I felt when I met the Garza family, the founders of Siete Foods. Siete is a healthy Mexican-American food brand that makes grain-free and paleo-friendly tortillas and tortilla chips. My husband Danny and his family first met the Garzas at PaleoFX several years ago, and they had an instant connection and have kept in touch ever since. Maybe it's their powerful origin story that makes them so relatable. Veronica Garza was facing a series of major health challenges as a teenager, and her entire family of seven jumped on board to help without hesitation. Together, they adopted a low-inflammation, grain-free diet. As a Mexican-American family living in South Texas, they couldn't imagine living without tortillas, and it wasn't long before Veronica came up with a delicious solution and Siete Foods was born. I've been enjoying their delicious grain-free and paleo-friendly tortillas and tortilla chips for years and finally had the chance to meet the Garzas in person. When I did, they immediately made me feel like a member of the family. Their passion for making the world a healthier place is absolutely contagious, and their generosity spreads to everyone they touch. I'm so excited to have Siete Foods as a sponsor of this episode, and if you're not already a fan of their products, I promise that you will be as soon as you give them a try. They've provided an exclusive discount code for Pursuing Health listeners. Just use code JULIE when you check out on SieteFoods.com to take advantage of their offer. Again, their website is SieteFoods.com. S-I-E-T-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. And you can use code Julie for 10% off your order. 